Hello. Hello. Hello and welcome to uh, DTT this Drunken, is Drunken History. Drunken History. I remember now. Uh, for, for the smugglers. So I thought I'd do smuggling. What are you going to smuggle? I'm going to smuggle history into your brain. Ah, good luck. Nothing gets into my brain. Uh, so like 16th to 18th century Cornish smuggling. Okay. Won't this be fun? Let's find out. Uh, well, smuggling, it's as old as taxes, basically. So as soon as taxes were, were arrived, they they, uh, they started smuggling. And people was, didn't like taxing. People didn't obviously. like taxes, apparently. It, it, it's understandable. It, it, it all started because to raise money uh, in Tudor times, the monarchy banned certain types of export. Carlsberg? And import. Uh, no, unfortunately mm. not. Mm. Well, it's Danish. It would be import, you see. You're thinking of tenants. It depends upon which country that you're in. Does a lot of things do, don't they? For example, grain, like I said, and then uh, issued they issued expensive licenses which you had to pay for to be able to get the stuff. Like the BBC, like the BBC, and then <laughs> and then merchants turned to smuggling, and it's and a lot of the smuggling um, was attributed to in Cornwall. Well, uh, smuggling was all over the the, the England. The England, all of the England. going so well so far. So, but uh, and it was further in Cornwall to the continent and other parts of Southeast England. But because of the lack of customs officers and the long coastline and poverty, in fact, mm-hmm. it contributed to smuggling. Uh, plus the seasonal work like tin mining, and it uh, brought wealth to the area. How many tins? How many tins <laughs> did they mine? Well, it depends if we're talking like uh, family tins or the, the half tins that they get now, beans. Mm. What, what are you talking about? Uh, two tins of beans. Two tins of beans? Yeah, I mean, and you can have a barbecue then. A barbecue with uh, beacons? Please see the last podcast. <laughs> Preferably listen to it, not just see it. Uh, and Cornwall, uh, the vast majority of it is a day's walk from the sea, so it was relatively easy to smuggle. A day's walk? Yeah. Couldn't they find somewhere closer? Somewhere on the sea. Well, I mean, the entire county is a day. The majority of it is within a day's walk. I'm sure there are coastal towns that would be a lot easier to. Cornwall's a county, not a town. Small to a town. <laughs> they do. All right, carry on. So we should do geography first. Yes, do geography. <laughs> Cornwall is a county on the southwest of England, southeast of England. <laughs> uh, yeah. And has a town called Falmouth in it, which I will be talking about later. It's basically and Devon. Devon's there as well. I think. You know, you know the the southwest, the, the point at the bottom of England where Land, Land's End is. Yes, I'm that that's there. Devon and Cornwall. I've almost been there. Have you almost been there? I've almost been there. Why were you almost there? I stopped. Why did you not go? I I stopped at Devon. So the start of smuggling was, unsurprisingly, your favourite subject, tin. Later goods smuggled included tea, which you can put in hot water apparently, Mm. brandy, gin, rum and tobacco. You never really hear of people smuggling nicotine patches. Tea was six times the price that it was on the continent. So you can see why they uh, bought it on the continent and brought it via surreptitious methods. I, I still can't see why people buy tea. <laughs> well, get used to it. I can't. It's, it's, it's the most vile tasting thing in the history of the world. Uh, it, it's not good. It is. I think you'll find it very it, much it is. It is not. 
Everybody drinks it out of spite. Says the guy that eats cheese, milk and onion soup. That's the best thing ever. In England, it was okay. estimated that 160,000 people and the fifth of the nation's horses were engaged in smuggling. That's not smuggling horses. That's the, sm- that the horses were engaged in smuggling. Did they know they were engaged in smuggling? Well, that's the thing, because they, they hung a few horses for uh, for smuggling. I take it they must have been. No, they didn't. I made it up. But they might have done. I can imagine the people back then hanging horses. There was a story about a town where they... What was a monkey, I think, they found and thought he was a French spy and hung him? <laughs> I have heard about that, yes. So it's not, un- it's not unreasonable <laughs> that they would hang horses. No. Uh, uh, a quarter of the smuggled tea and half the smuggled brandy, you know, in the whole of England, that was smuggled yeah. into England, came by way of the southwest. So Devon and Cornwall. Mm. Hello. The, the, the customs, customs officers and, you know, the, the revenue, well, it was purely because there was, wasn't there a revenue officer in... Uh, in the smugglers, yes. In the smugglers, yeah. Yes, so, he was after the smugglers. Yeah, let's talk about it him. Customs was initially poorly integrated and under-resourced, so uh, bribing was commonplace. And, and so confident... It's just a shame he ran into Ben. <laughs> Don't talk about pen like that. Uh, merchants were quite confident that they recorded their activities in account books. Custom posts were bought from the Lord Treasurer of, uh, in England at, at such a price that they had to turn to illegal methods to even make money. So you had to you had to pay to get the job of being a customs officer, which meant then that you had to basically be bribed to to make up the shortfall. Yeah, like you the had to be bribed to not do your job. Yes. It's, it's, a, like it's job, a good system. It's a bit like the job you're going for, having to pay to get mm. it, and then then, you, then the money you get from it not being enough, so mm. you'd have to look to other methods of making yeah. up the money. Look for people to pay me to not do my job. Yes. Do you like that? Oh, yes. I, I, I might see if anybody will pay me to not do my job. People don't even want to pay you to do your job, so I don't think you want to pay you not to do your people job. People want me to do my job. I am the most important person in my job. In your job, yes, yes, like, yes. Conversely, you're most you're the least important person in no, your job. No, the straw man is the least important person in my job. He's doing your job as well. Yeah, it's a multi-sharing job, is it? Yeah, I, I don't give him any wages though. Take them all for myself. Poor straw man. The postal packet service, which ran from the 16th to early 19th century, was used to carry mail packets to and from British embassies and colonies. So it was a bit like post office on water. And at Falmouth, which I mentioned earlier, uh, which was the main station for the U- for the UK, um, smuggling by the postal packet carriers was common because obviously they're going to British colonies and everything and buying things there which might be cheaper, so they bring them back and sell them. And and this was especially true. It used to be fine for them to do that, and then they banned it. You know, I think it was like a perk of the job kind of thing. Oh, kill jobs. You can you can you hey you can smuggle. It's fine. But don't do it too much. No. Also in Falmouth, the Killigrew family, uh, who established the town, became rich mainly through smuggling. Did you know that? I did not know. And it wasn't just smuggling peanuts out. Uh, John Killigrew, in the 16th century, used his office of piracy commissioner to make a profit. So his job was basically stop piracy, and he used it to increase piracy. So that's another that's another thing about doing your job, about getting paid to do your job, <laughs> not to do your job. I think these people 
knew how to work the system, man. Or maybe how to get paid to do your job. How to not get paid doing your job. The moral of the story is how not to get paid doing your job. Maybe he just misunderstood the job. Maybe he thought it was to increase piracy. It was just a simple case of misunderstanding, yes. Can I say that if I start setting fires? Well, I, I thought that was my job. Yes, you can. Do you want to pay me to start setting fires? No, I don't. Can I pay you to start setting fires not in the house? Where do you want me to start setting fires? <laughs> On your face. Just as long as I'm not in the house. <laughs> just as long as you're not in the house, yes. Okay. How, how much are you going to pay me? <laughs> how much do you want? I will get a quote from the hospital of how much it will take to repair the damage to my face. And I'll put 10% on. Make sure, I, I make, sure you make, tell, make sure you tell them that your face already looks like that. <laughs> I, I don't lie when it comes to my job. Going back to the uh, smuggling then. Oh, are we? Um, <laughs> despite, despite the lack of customs officer and policing, sometimes when smugglers came uh, you know, with their contraband through villages and things, mm-hmm. they made the villagers face, face the wall. Not in that way. Uh, so that the villagers could truthfully say they saw nothing. And this was in a poem by Kipling. There was a line, Them that ask no questions isn't told a lie. Watch the wall, my darling, when the gentlemen go by. By Richard Kipling, apparently. Mm. I'm sure it's not a euphemism in any way. I bet he was a smuggler. <laughs> Richard Kipling was a smuggler. Yeah. Probably. A Cornish vicar in the 1800s described a conversation he had with a local about a murderer's grave. And the local said that he had only killed a customs officer worker. <laughs> well, that's fine. Uh, well, your first one is free. <laughs> and even even at that, juries would often not convict uh, corner smugglers, even violent ones. Uh, there was a case in 1768, an excise officer was murdered, and uh, the name of the guy that did it, I'll get this right, is Mechizedek Kinsman. Mm-hmm. Take that, Benedict Cumberbatch. Mechizedek Kinsman and his three accomplices were let off. Three jurors disappeared after the trial, and they suspected it was because they were bribed and then they thought they'd fuck off before anybody could get them. I say your first one's free. <laughs> You're first of everything. Mm. Shipwrecks, whenever they cro- you know, crashed into the coast and things, uh, they were regarded as smuggling whenever people would come down and... You know, try and make off with all the stuff that oh, was yeah. in the hold and everything. Yeah, everything that's washed so up. So it was often regarded. Yeah. yeah, it was regarded as smuggling, but there was often nothing customs officer could do because you know when they would get there, they would be outnumbered by the sheer amount of people picking through the wreckage. And your first one's free. And your first one's free. Uh, one dubious story has a vicar leading out a congregation to a shipwreck and uh, just saying let's all be fair and letting him take his you know vestments off first. Uh, and then all of, all of that is before you even take the owner of the land into account. You know, what he's, he's uh, allowed to get. What is he allowed to get? Apparently, first apparently his first one's for free. Apparently he's allowed a percentage <laughs> of uh, of the wreck. Although, and then mm. the government gets the rest of it. Who, who owns the sea? Who owns the sea? <laughs> yes. It's a very interesting question, Gal. Poseidon owns the sea. I don't know. The, c- the coastal waters around England, the the government, I suppose, open the sea there. Ah, so the government get the first one. Yeah, very first one's free. <laughs> um, smuggling boomed until the 19th century, and that's when customs men became more organised, and uh, supporting to the colonies and hanging were punishments. Mm-hmm. So, to, so, so to get around that, um, smugglers would often drop their... Uh, Horses into... <laughs> drop their... 
cows into the fields, <laughs> drove there, smuggling stuff into coves, and were picked up later. Coves, of course, being small shelters. Uh, a small inlet thing. Yep. Ten a sheltered, a sheltered coastal inlet. It's a bay. Or a bay, if you want to use less words. Uh, another way was to sink all the kegs, or crop, as it was known. Uh, weighted, they were weighted down, and then they would be retrieved later. But customs got wise to this, and they would use hooks to uh, to find them again, not spikes. Because spikes just get stuck. Um, the government had spies mm-hmm. in foreign and domestic ports as well to get smuggling information, although obviously it was extremely dangerous to the spy, because they would be killed if they were found out. I'll not be a spy. I think you have to remember stuff to be a spy. Who said I was going to be a spy? <laughs> you just said you were going to be a spy. I can't believe that. And there was, there was a famous smuggler called John Carter, not from Mars, and he got the uh, nickname King of Prussia for some reason. I think I read somewhere that it was because he, he was a big fan of Prussia or the King of Prussia when he was younger, but that just seems stupid. I mean, that's just a cover story. Uh, he was around in the late 18th century, and a cove is still called Prussia Cove, where he did his smuggling. One story about him is uh, excise officers intercepted a cargo that was meant for him um, while he was away, and then he came back, found out about this, got some men together, and went to break the his cargo, you know, out of the customs house or whatever, mm-hmm. and just took everything that belonged to him and didn't touch anything else. Bizarre. Uh, also very nice of it. Yeah, I thought so. Hmm. And uh, and my last little fact. My last little fact. Is a smuggler's beer shop uh, used to be called a Kittlewink. I, I just like I just like the name Kittlewink. Shall we go off to the Kittlewink then? <laughs> <laughs> you can't really say these days. Soupy twist. Soupy twist.